just read. We're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. So, <clears throat> this past week has been an interesting one for me. Um, it's just, it's been a little a little ragtag, a little, <laughs> a little busy, a little not, a little crazy busy, a little bit uh, not at all. So, it's been a little bit of a hard week to wrap my arms around. Um <clears throat> But this past week, um, actually in the new year, we decided that we're going to start going to the gym. And if you know me at all, um, I hate the gym. <laughs> there is nothing more that I hate than going to the gym. Yeah, right? Like my name is, it's my namesake and I hate it, right? Um, so it's not my favorite thing, right? I have a picture in our living room of Borstone Mountain in Maine. And it's, it's from when we climbed it uh, this summer. And um, it's just this beautiful panorama. And I will do anything to get on top of that mountain instead of running on a treadmill. I would so much rather be able to do that and climb that mountain than be able or than have to go on a treadmill because I hate the treadmill. I'm not a runner. Uh, it's not my thing. I lift things up and put them down. That's where I live. That's, that's, this, this is where I live. You know, that's, that's my thing, you know. Um, so, uh, I hate working out midweek, especially starting of the week. It's my least favorite time to go to the gym, especially Monday, Tuesday, you know, you're trying to get back in the swing of things. So here we are, it's Tuesday, it's like 7.45, 7, 8 o'clock, somewhere around there. We just, you know, couldn't make it any earlier. Um, at night, not in the morning. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big caveat there, so... <laughs> Every single time I start at the gym, I go running on the treadmill. As we all know, my opinions on the treadmill. Um, not my favorite, but I decided that I'm going to be committed to this. I'm going to like at least run a mile every single time I go to the gym, right? Um, as you know, I'm not a runner. I hate it. And I'm really just not having a good time. <laughs> I'm like sweating bullets. I'm just like breathing heavy. My legs feel like they got cinder blocks on them. I'm trying to get there and I'm going a little bit faster than I normally do, which was probably really dumb on my part, but whatever, we're here. So I'm pushing hard and I'm just not, oh, I'm not loving life. I'm listening to like heavy metal. I'm doing anything I can do just to get through this thing and get on to, you know, doing more hard working out. <laughs> it's dumb, but here we are, right? I'm not seeing the results of it though, right? I can't see that my muscles are actually being, you know, stressed and strained and they're well, not strained, but you know, they're being exercised, right? I can't see the results of that right now. All I want to do is go back to my apartment, sit on my couch and eat cookies. <laughs> That's really what I want to do, right? That's where my heart was at. So we're going to see how that all factors into kind of where we are tonight in a little bit. So... As we see in, if I can flip the page, there we go. 
in, uh, actually, just going to put this over here because I have what I need right here. There's a lot of space on here. <clears throat> so kind of the context of Philippians, just so that we can kind of set the stage for where we're at tonight. As we were talking about uh, last time we met, um, <clears throat> Paul writes, uh, while he's in prison to the church of Philippi, uh, Paul played a pretty big part in getting this church planted uh, in that city. Uh, so they held a dear place in his heart, right? They were, uh, you know, you go through something like that and getting a church established and ready to go, um, that's a big undertaking. It's not easy. Um, Emily and I kind of had a role in that in the church that we go to now. Um, we go to a small church in, over in Wall. And um, it's really not easy. <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, so they were definitely in a different place in his heart than most other people would have been had he just met them on the street. So they partnered with him financially as well as spiritually. And they walk through the various ups and downs uh, as we see from where he's at right now. Paul's in prison, probably not having the best time of his life. <laughs> Why wouldn't be? So in verse 6, it says this. And I'm sure of this. We're reading out of the ESV tonight. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, Paul expressly states how interested Christ is in you from your best day to your average day down to your worst day. I wouldn't say my worst day was me running on the treadmill the other night, but it felt like my worst day, that's for sure. <laughs> my legs felt like that was my worst day. <laughs> God's heart and intent to grow us has and will not waver. He is fixed on us in that motion to grow us and to bring us into completion, right? What's insane about the whole idea of God's attention being fixed on us is this, that God doesn't need any of us to do what his will is, right? He doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need me to be right here talking to you guys about God bringing things to completion in your lives. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need Karis. He doesn't need Cass. He doesn't need Brandon. He doesn't need my sister. He doesn't need any of you. But he chooses to use us. Why? <laughs> makes no sense to me, right? That's crazy. He literally has no need to use you to accomplish his plans and purposes. He's capable of breathing all life into creation. I doubt that he really needs us to do those things, right? But imagine for a moment the patience of God to bear with us in the midst of constantly questioning him and his motives as we move through life and walk through him. What are you doing, God? <laughs> When's this going to be over? Are you even there? Why don't you love me enough to take this away from me and give me what I want? Why don't you love me enough to do that for me? For real, and we're honest about where we are in our lives, I've had plenty of those conversations with God <laughs> throughout the years. In the good times, in the bad times especially, those conversations have definitely taken place. Maybe not out loud, but in my heart. Right? Do you realize that God specifically chose you to carry his banner through life? He chose you. 
Each one of you has a distinct and unique purpose as you move through life. He's not interested in your perfection, though. That is the furthest thing that he's focused on, right? It's what we namely focus on, though. I know it's what I, as I'm walking through, you know, doing a message or just working. I got stuck at work before I was coming here. And it was just one of those situations where I like something could have really like blown up in my face. Literally. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a good night for me. Um, I had to, I work at a fire protection company. So it's everything that like has to do with fire extinguishers and stuff like that. And I had to discharge this huge basically like fire extinguisher that's like this and i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> i had no clue i'm just like okay lord i gotta go teach and well here i am <laughs> and i made it through right but god was wanting to work something in me in those moments and i can tell you exactly what it is now that i'm in hindsight of that <laughs> It was a determination that God had to work out through me. Because I was looking at the clock. I was like, I was supposed to leave an hour ago. I got to get out of here, right? But I determined it in my heart that I was not going to let this just stupid thing that popped up at the end of the day, literally 20 minutes before I had to leave, it popped up. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in this, but I'm going to choose to see what you're doing from a growth perspective in me, right? That's hard. That's not easy. That's not what I want to do. I just want to grumble and complain. Like, I don't have time for this. I got to keep moving. I, I, got, I, I got verses to teach people. God's like, mm, I got something I want to work in you first. I got something I want to keep constructing in you. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> He's not interested in your perfection, but with your heart and where those affections lie. Perfection affection, right? Do you realize that God looks at you with delight? Even in the midst of us wanting everything to be good and perfect in everything that we do, he still looks at us with delight. He looks at us and says, that's my boy, for me at least. <laughs> probably, probably not for you. Uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. He looks at us with delight. I love what this verse doesn't say, actually. It, it's just, I was working through this, and as I was kind of prepping this message, I was just thinking about what's not said in this verse. And it says, it doesn't say this. And I am unsure of this, that he who began a good work in you might bring it to kind of being halfway done. <laughs> like a kid begrudgingly doing his homework at the day of Jesus Christ. That is not the, at all what this says here. There are complete and utter assurances in this. It says, I am sure of this. I'm positive that you began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's positive of this. No questions. I know for me, sometimes I would rather slap a Band-Aid on my wounds instead of letting Jesus actually heal those areas in my heart that need redemption and that need work. 
I know while I was trying to go and get that extinguisher, I literally work like like a thousand feet over that way. So that's why I keep pointing over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I know that while I was doing those things, I was like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta move. I gotta, you know, my heart is not wanting to see what God's working in me. I would rather slap a bandaid on it and say, hey, dude, who's got to mess around with this thing tomorrow? You figure it out. Not my problem, right? I'd rather slap a Band-Aid on it and get out of here and go do what I want to do. But that doesn't give Jesus the opportunity to actually work and to heal those things in my soul that he wants to bring to completion Amen. and to heal. He doesn't, I take away that opportunity from him. From the God of creation, I take away an opportunity to work in my heart. That's terrible. Just because I want to be comfortable. Just because I don't want to invest the time that it takes to do something difficult because I think I got something better to do. It's tough. There is no halfway when it comes to Christ working on and transforming our hearts and souls. He is the God of completion. If there were ever a group of people that Jesus should have given up on in terms of working on and bringing in things and working in their hearts and their souls, I keep doing this like I'm mushing a loaf of bread. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Highly encourage you to do it. It would have been the disciples. (laughs) Seriously. We got James and John, the sons of thunder. Like, hey, can we call down thunder and fire from heaven on these dudes? Like, can we just like burn these guys up you know like we we, we don't got to deal with them right like it's, it's what it's why you're here right right jesus jesus like no slow your roll slow your roll <laughs> i got plans and purposes here or how about peter when you just you know hey dude you don't need that here let me just lop that off for you in the garden right you don't need it <laughs> they were chronically screwing up all the time right we see god just bearing with them or Jesus bearing with them continually and he's <laughs> and I'm sure he had times where he's like <sighs> deep breath okay here we go <laughs> I'm sure there were times like that right God never gave up on them though he chronically was working with them to see them become people who were after his own heart and after the things that he would pursue, molding their hearts into, into those that loved Jesus more than they loved their comfort, more than they loved the things of this world. Do you ever wish that God's plans and purposes would just leave you alone? <laughs> you could get him to just hit pause instead of pushing into new areas of your life that God has for you to reclaim for his glory and your betterment? I do. I absolutely do. I have no qualms about saying that. I totally wish God would just leave me alone on some days. I do. I can't even lie about it. Where you are in your walk does not come as a surprise to God. He's never thought that you would be further along or better at something than you actually are. 
where my type A personalities out there <laughs> who are always trying, always grinding. Oh, I got to make this work. I got to get better at this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to be better than I am because that's what God expects of me. Couldn't be any further from the truth. That's hard to wrap our brains around that. I know that's hard for me. I came from a place of always having things needing to be perfect. And it took a long time for God to sort of rewire those things in my heart and my soul because I didn't want to let him. I chronically said, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I got this. I, I, can, I can do this. And it's going to be great. It's going to be perfect as per usual because that's what Jim <laughs> Healy does. <laughs> that's not what God wanted for me, though. I can't even tell you the amount of stress that I put on myself in those moments where I was trying to get those things accomplished in a way that I wanted them to when I was at work or school or what have you. But hear me in this. God is not expecting you to be three weeks, three months, or three years ahead of where you are in your love or affection for him. In your walk. He's just not. We never see him trying to force the disciples or the people that he was around into a new section of life that they're completely not ready to be in, in for, right? You just don't see it. You see him pushing them outside their comfort zone, but you don't see him like, hey, Peter, <laughs> go catch this off a cliff. Let's see if we can sprout wings. That's not happening. God doesn't do that. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> I'm not ready for some of that. What's interesting about all of this, though, is that God does have certain things that he wants to work in you for tomorrow, for the next day, for next week, for next month, for next year. You... I'm totally stealing this from Matt Chandler before we get started. And just hang with me because it's going to sound a little bit different than how, what you might expect it to. You were made for the day and the day was made for you. Now, if we look at that from 10,000 feet up or 1,000 feet up, that says, wow, that really makes it all about me now, doesn't it? That's all about me. So let's bring that down to like 10 feet off the ground, right? Let's get into that a little bit. God has specifically equipped you for right here, right now in your life. God knew that 2020 to 2022, wherever we're at right now, I think that's where we are. I don't even know what day of the week it is practically. God knew that the world was going to start spinning backwards in these two years, right? That didn't come as a surprise to God. He put you in this section of life for a purpose. You were made for the day and the day was made for you. So I started teaching junior high youth ministry uh, about a year and a couple weeks uh, ago. Um, I guess that was in January. I think it was. Of last year. Crazy time to start a youth group in the middle of a pandemic. Fun stuff. Uh, 
I would say highly recommend, but I don't. <laughs> um, that has been a learning, a stretching, and a growing process for me. Like there have been few other in my life. <laughs> I'll just give you a little bit of an idea of what it's been like um, teaching and running a junior high youth group. We did a white elephant gift exchange. Every single one of my leaders got sick or was away, including Emily. And em and I typically kind of, you know, run with each other in that, and we, you know, we do the best we can. Um, so I had a fill-in uh, leader for that night. And uh, you were doing finals, otherwise I would have asked you. But you were staying up till 4 a.m. working on some, you know, deep eschatology work or something. <laughs> Um, so here I am, I've got a fill-in leader, and so we're doing a white elephant gift exchange. And uh, M bought all the gifts. I didn't have time to, I was running around like madman trying to get my message ready. And one of the gifts was like a plasticky rubber horse, right? Just a little tiny, like little thing like that, you know, funny, you know? Um, so one of my kids, Nate, uh, he starts eating the horse <laughs> while I'm teaching. And if anything could describe... <laughs> Wait, how old? Twelve. Twelve. I had to ask. That's fair. Uh, all bets are off with, uh, with that one. But, you know, um, that has described my experience in youth ministry <laughs> quite well. It was not. It was grade A plastic, probably from Indonesia, who knows where. Maybe he's got lead poisoning right now. I don't know. He's still there, and he's still making my life interesting. So there you go. Um, love you, Nate, if you're watching. Anyway, probably not. Um, <laughs> that has been how youth ministry has gone for me on most weekends, or most Friday nights. Whew, man, that's been a rough one. But on this past Friday, I just, uh, I really started committing to just praying and seeking God before I started uh, teaching and, and working on my message and things like that. And man, it was such a huge win. <laughs> I needed it so bad. We all needed just one of those nights where it felt like you just right out of the park, you know, just needed it so bad. But what I'm saying is that God made me for that time in my life. And he made me for that moment of struggling through that, struggling, spinning my wheels, just trying to figure it out and trying to wrap my arms around. How, did, how the heck to teach middle school kids? It's not as easy as you think. <laughs> it's really not. God is teaching me how to reach kids for his kingdom while I operate in weakness. He provides the strength while I'm trying to figure these things out, right? It makes it really hard for me to look back at the success of a Friday night and say, man, guess who's got it all together when I have a kid eating a horse. <laughs> That's not, it doesn't happen. And some nights go better than others, right? But that was, uh, that was an interesting night but I, I can see how the Lord is working in that and he's bringing it to, to completion in some areas while simultaneously opening up construction on others, right? That's so cool. That's awesome. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says this, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Today. It doesn't actually say today in there, but I like to think of that as a today kind of thing. Today, tomorrow, three weeks from now, two months from now, 12 years from now. Workmanship, craftsmanship, artistry, handiwork. That's how God describes you. Every single one of you in here has unique gifts. They have unique just things about them. Some of you can cut hair. Some of you can sing music. Uh, I don't know what I can do, but I'm here and I'm doing it. (laughs) So there's that. Some of you are technically inclined. Some of you have a heart just to reach people for Jesus. Some of you can counsel people. That's beautiful. Some of you can lift things up and put them down really good. (laughs) That's beautiful. But craftsmanship takes time knowledge and skill. These aren't things that are just done overnight. It takes time. Your heaven, heaven's handmade calligraphy, slumming it among papyrus fonts, according to propaganda. Rapper, not just propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> so often we choose to look at ourselves as like Comic Sans MS, instead of calligraphy that the, the God of heaven, a God of, of the creator of earth wrote. We choose to look at ourselves as that dweeby font. It's like, hey, birthday party. <laughs> instead of beautiful, incredible, flawed, but loved. I love Paul's mindset in this, though. Remember, he's in prison while he's riding to the church of Philippi. He has a guard, uh, probably chained to him 24-7. But if you hop down uh, to verses 12 and 13, which I actually need that for because I forgot to put it in my notes, even though I said to put it in my notes. I want you to know, brothers, 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 (laughs) (laughs) that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Karis touched on this last week, or last time. There was something in Paul that God could work out best through prison. There's a lot of times in our lives where we find ourselves in prison. Not physical bars in front of us, but the places where we've wandered off to. That if we would have kept our eyes fixed on Jesus, probably wouldn't have made it there, right? There's a lot of times that we do that. I know for me, at least. But in the midst of that, God has plans, purposes, Growth, craftsmanship. In the midst of being stuck somewhere that we don't want to be, God is still working in those things to bring them 
to a place where he can use them for his glory and for our betterment. So what's all this mean for today, right? What's, what's the take home? How do you continue to grow into the man or woman that God has you to be? In the midst of living in a broken world and in spaces that we wander off into that we're not supposed to, I'd argue that it's this. Deep work over time and community like you touched on a couple weeks ago. There's more to it than just trying to white knuckle our way through life. Do you believe that Jesus actually has incredible things for you? We're going to get back into the deep work over time and community in a minute. minute. But do you believe that God has incredible things for you? Do you believe that he wants to accomplish immense things through you instead of in spite of you? Paul calls the church partakers of the defense and confirmation of the gospel in verse 7 as they continue to live their lives in expectation that Christ is still working in them. And then it will not stop until they either, until he either returns or they breathe their last breath on earth. It's important to recognize that there is community in Paul's life, even though he's stuck in prison. It's the whole reason why he's writing Philippians. He's writing to the church, right? He's writing to the people who have partnered with him in the midst of his struggle. I'd argue he's doing deep work in their lives. That deep work doesn't come instantaneously. It takes craftsmanship. It takes artistry. And it takes community. Each one of these things are able to see, as Paul writes to them. There are two things that can happen if we choose to believe that Christ will leave us mid-work. Fear and abandonment of hope. What are we hoping for at that point? There's nothing. There's nothing we could possibly hope for that we could do better than than Christ could do in our lives, right? (laughs) I haven't figured it out yet. And I don't think I ever will because there's nothing that I can do that's better than what God has for me in my life. The fear is just, it's, it's one of our natural go-tos. I know it is for me. Like, I wind up in these places of being fearful of dumb stuff that I don't need to be fearful when I don't have my eyes fixed on God. It's my natural revert. So how do you think that would be if we choose to believe that God's not going to finish us? Even worse. He promises to do the exact opposite of fear and abandonment of hope, though. Belief that he will continue to work in us and through us, births in us, a deep peace from the trust that he has, I'm sorry, that he has us and will not abandon us. It also just creates a a sense of dangerousness in us which is actually really good for the soul to step outside of always being boxed in to being afraid of the, "Mm, maybe we're not going to measure up. Maybe we're not going to be good enough. I'd argue that God has that, that bit of risk and that bit of thrill to that 
that just stepping out in faith, just to give us a little taste of what it's like of his goodness and that he's there and he's, he's, he's just outstretched arm in that moment, right? He's wanting us to, to just live in that freedom of saying, I don't know if this is going to pan out, but I know that he's got me regardless. That's a beautiful feeling. It really is. This is actually one of the awesome things that, that just happened this week. Um, I'm not going to get into details of it, but um, <clears throat> yesterday I was having a conversation with one of my good friends, and they told me that they initiated a conversation uh, with some people in their life that they had been wanting to do for a long time. And it was a conversation that needed to take place uh, from a biblical perspective. And it wasn't that something was, somebody was living in sin or anything like that. But I just saw it all over their face, how God had worked and moved in their life. And they said, I didn't even know what I was saying. <laughs> it all just came out of me. And it just started flowing from me like a, like a river, right? God brought some completion into their lives while simultaneously opening construction on more areas in their life. As they chose to walk into those things and to open that door and to let the spirit move through them in their life. It's really cool. It's not something that happens every day because we choose not to let it happen every day and we choose to stifle the spirit inside of us. We choose to not fix things, but just to repaint. So as we close, I just want to remind you of who you are. You're a child of the Most High King, the one who will never be unseated or have to run for re-election in another four years. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> His power makes the ground shake. The rocks praise him if we don't. He makes the sun rise and set with a word of his breath. If he even has lungs, I think he does because we're made in his image. I don't know. I'll ask him when I get there. <laughs> He's your heavenly father. God has never wished that you were not his child. There's never been a day where he wished he saved his receipt so he could return you back to the pile of rubble that he took you out of at the swap meet. He'd be like, oh man, well, I guess Jim's just being a knucklehead again. Guess I just got to deal with it. He's like, no, I got plans. I got purposes. I got reasons for that he's, that he's, I got stuff for him. You know, he's, he's, he's working in me still. There has never been a day that he wished that he could send you back to wherever you came from and that you weren't his. No matter the lust, the depression, the anger, the fear, or the filth that you willingly allow into your heart, he still chooses you over and over and over again. Every single day when you wake up and you breathe breath into your lungs, when you see the light shining through the window, he chooses you every single time over and over and over. He's relentless in it. Thank you, Lord. 
Because there are so many times where he should have said, nope, back to the rubble pile with you. That guy's a meathead. Because <laughs> I am. The father's heart is fixed on redemption and completion. He longs for it in us. He is the God of completion. His nature consistently reveals it. From how he's stuck with the people he he brought out of, out, of, uh, out of Egypt and into exile and he just bore with them for years and years and years and years to sticking with his disciples when they just made stupid moves over and over again. <laughs> when they wanted him to overthrow the government and take place as their king, mm-hmm. he already was their king, just not in the way that, he, that they would have expected him to be. So will you trust him to work in your life? Will you trust him to bring that completion into your life? You were made for the day and the day was made for you. You have good works planned out beforehand by him. Will you choose to allow him into your heart to work through those things with you, to push you into areas that you wouldn't have made made the direction to go in yourself when you choose to bear with God as he bears with you. God has laid out good works for you that will further his craftsmanship in your life. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you choose to bear with us every single day, every waking moment, even when we sleep, Lord, you choose to be with us. You choose to be our Heavenly Father, Lord. We don't deserve any of that, God. But you choose to give it to us because you love us, Lord. You want to see us grow more into your likeness. Lord, I pray that we would have boldness to move into those things, God. I pray that we would, Lord, just be able to stare our fear dead in the face that we're not enough or that we've gone too far in the other direction, Lord. Lord, you love us so intently and so perfectly, God. I pray that we would be reminded of that as we walk through the rest of this week and, Lord, the rest of this month and year, God you have good works laid out for us, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you love us. Pray that you just go before the rest of this night, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay.